Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. The following episode was recorded live on my Facebook page. If you ever want to catch us live, please head over to facebook.com slash Noor al and we go live over there every once in a while. We hope that you'll enjoy the episode and thank you for listening. Take care. So... The first question we had is, is Islam feminist or patriarchal? So yeah, it would probably be good to even define those terms, right? Yeah, I think so. I think because um, one, you know, it's it's always unfair to project, um, you know, current circumstances or current understandings on the past, um, especially, you know, to do so uncritically. Um, so when we're talking about feminism, patriarchy, these are such loaded words um, and uh, people define them differently, you know, um, especially when it comes to, to feminism. I think it's more known um, and talked about when it comes to feminism that that is a term that is defined very differently um, depending on who you ask. Uh, and so I think, you know, before jumping to uh, conclusions about whether Islam is this or Islam is that, then we really have to ask, well, what definition are we are we working from, right. so that we can talk about it honestly and fairly? Yeah. So I think maybe maybe I'll take the patriarchy term, and if you want to define sure. the feminist term, okay. So patriarchy is defined as. Now, let me pull it up really quickly from the dictionary. Okay. So, patriarchy is defined as a system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is the head of the family and descent is traced through the male line. A system of society or government in which men, so this is the second definition, a -hmm. system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe we should deal with the patriarchy first and then go to feminism, like whether or not? Sure, we can do that. Okay. We can do that. So just from that definition, I would say that um, there are some things that we'd agree with on that. Like mm-hmm. clearly, if you were going to say, it has to do with um, the head of the family, and or at least the descent part, descent traced through the male line. We know that, yes, Islamically, descent is traced through the male line. Mm-hmm. Um, a system of society or government in which the father or eldest male is the head of the family. I think we'd agree. What do you think? Yeah, I think more or less. Um, it's, it's more clear-cut when it comes to the family, I think, because certainly mm-hmm. we have the idea as uh, of you know the male provider um being you know the the husband the father and the family and then also in terms of like guardianship and protection also being the responsibility of the men in the family whether that's the father or the or the brother right if necessary um so i think certainly when it comes to the family it's it's more clear cut um i think when it comes to um rule or representation then i believe it gets more complicated although certainly historically um 
men have been given uh, those those positions, specifically the, the highest positions, mm-hmm. right, in the land in terms of, uh, you know, being government of- officials and heads of state, etc. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing because, yeah, I do agree that it's, it is more clear cut when it comes to the family. But then do we extract that into the society at large? Mm-hmm. And there's one point to me that is kind of a practical consideration that women are the mothers of society, right? So sort of in a natural sense, that would probably be their primary focus. And not just Yes, motherhood, absolutely, but also just the business of caring for relationships and sort of the inner world of society. So mm-hmm. that probably most women, at least for significant portions of their life, would be concerned with that. Mm-hmm. And so it does leave a space for men to take over the the um, sort of outer world, so to speak, the power there. So. To me, there's sort of a practical consideration, but yeah, it is a question of the, I think the biggest possible issue for me is the point of exclusion, mm-hmm. where it's a question of, are women fit for certain roles of leadership? Mm-hmm. And that's where there seems to be um, a question mark there, Islamically, like even I forget what I was reading, but it was an answer on Seeker's guidance about, I believe, women being jurists. And mm-hmm. so the sheikh was talking about the nature of women is more merciful, so they're not fit for that role, at least according to some of that head, but it's like they shouldn't take on that role. And, it, you know, that's an interesting thing because, yeah, I think that's true in a larger sense, right? Mm-hmm. But then if we're talking about individual women can we really say that individual women should then be sort of fit with that okay yes ideally not even ideally but yes in general women are more merciful but if an individual woman is fit for that role are we still going to hold on to this sort of more abstract notion or are we going to look at the individual yeah no I think that's a really good point because we do tend to Uh, you know, categorize groups in certain kinds of ways. And while there may be validity to that, it, um, it doesn't necessarily or it almost never actually categorizes or characterizes each individual in that group, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so uh, there are always going to be people who, who fall outside of that general characteristic. Um, And, uh, you know, I think it's important to lift that up. And also, you know, I think it's interesting to talk about mercy, um, having, I guess, a a more natural inclination to mercy than men, generally speaking, um, stereotypically speaking, why that would be um, a bar to a woman (laughs) being a a judge. Um, I don't think, you know, I I think that's kind of an interesting um, way of of looking at it, and I think um, I think it kind of exaggerates. I think by saying that it exaggerates the mercy that women have. Yes, women do have right. mercy. We have mercy for our children. We have mercy on our families, our friends, etc. And we, you know, can also empath- empathize uh, with others. But um, 
I think putting it the way that that was put makes it makes that mercy into a fault um, mm, and makes it sound right, like right. it's um, excessive, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's very, yeah, that's a good point. And it is a point of, um, yeah, so what, is that actually a correct consideration in the sense of, because mercy, it's kind of a funny thing because mercy doesn't have to be looked at as a flaw, right? It doesn't have to be looked mm-hmm. at at the extreme end of you're so merciful that you overlooked justice, right? It doesn't have right. to be that. No. Um, but it is almost, yeah, considering it in that way of yeah, being merciful so you won't be able to look at someone who committed a crime without... Um, I don't know, maybe overextending mercy or, or putting it in inappropriate ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that is a good point. And it's interesting, this, this show that I like, well, they only had one season so far, but in this first season from the Emirates, then the woman is a lawyer. So Hamdina, everyone is Muslim in the show and all that. So you get to see Islamic law at work. And mm. so the woman is a lawyer, one of the main characters, and she's dealing with this woman who has an abusive husband. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, the third time that he's pronounced divorce. And mm. so, you know, she's fighting for her to be able to be released from this man. He divorced her a third time. And then at the last minute, the husband says, no, I was just so angry. I didn't know what I was saying. And mm-hmm. so it's an interesting thing because you you see the lawyer who obviously as especially as another woman but it should be in general but especially as another woman um has so much mercy for the situation that this woman is in but for the judge then it's just like oh well he was crazy whatever mm-hmm. he was so angry that didn't know what he was saying so you need to go back to your husband and so uh, just in sort of bringing it to your point it's like well is that really the correct way to deal with justice should it really just be that black and white in action right Mm -hmm. if that's Mm -hmm. not the best marriage to be in should the consideration only that oh he didn't know what he was saying be the only consideration right Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah it's a good point of maybe there is even a place for mercy in some places where it's assumed that it's not appropriate for to be in yeah and i think even i mean we can kind of put a button on this because it's a bit tangential but i think even when you think about mercy and what mercy in action I think what it allows for is actually an attention to nuance right and understanding because in order to be merciful when maybe your first impulse is not to be merciful you know you can't you have to extend um, an arm and you have to be willing to see past the surface and be willing to take you know, numerous things into into account and factor many things in um, in order to really act on that mercy, you know, like with, you know, I, I know with, with my son, I might have, you know, an initial reaction to, you know, him screaming or a temper tra- tantrum or him acting crazy. Uh, my initial feeling is probably not mercy in that moment. It's something else. Mm-hmm. It's anger. Um, but I might right, act right, in yeah. mercy because I might say, you know what, maybe he wants this and he just can't articulate it. Maybe he's mm-hmm. upset because, you know, right. I'm holding his sister and not him. Maybe this, maybe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this ability to kind of look past the surface, I think I think mm-hmm. it's an extension mm-hmm. of, of mercy or right. related to mercy. 
in some in some kind of way so anyway that's tangential but you know I think it's I think it's important to not look at mercy as something that's kind of like like jello like it's just this kind of like weak people thing um you know it's actually kind of a skill yeah yeah inshallah and we were just for people tuning in now we were getting into this point about mercy because we were asking and you can see the description um in the post we were asking this question of is islam patriarchal and sort of just going through the definition and a part of that definition is a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it and so we were at and first i think we should note that when people talk about power, they're usually talking about public power, right? So it is kind of right. a very specific kind of power. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just getting to the point of Islamically speaking, that is there an agreement there that women should be excluded from certain types of power? And it seems to be the case that, at least for some shayuk and maybe within some madahib, that is true. Um, but then... It, yeah, I do want to go just sort of touch on the point of power, though, because like someone might say, oh, yeah, in Islam, then men get to be the imam, the lead, the salat, and women don't. So we're excluded from that leadership, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even sometimes, uh, at least for me, I think I can sort of question, well, is that actually power? Mm. I don't know, mm-hmm. like, it's a funny thing, because by definition, in a sense, I'm not so sure it is, just by definition, just leading someone in some law. Um, but then there's also what it is within our context, and within our context, at least within the Western Muslim community, the imam kind of is the most powerful person in the community, right? He is sure, the, the yeah. community leader even though that's not necessarily what that position entails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, that's a good point. You know, there's, of course, in our community, we've had the, the longstanding issue argument about women uh, leading prayer because of the incident that happened, uh, I guess, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so we have had this discussion about you know, the position of the imam and what does that mean? And is that a position of, of power, leadership? And I think, you know, um, I think to an extent it is, uh, but, you know, oftentimes, or I think ideally, um, there's also supposed to be like responsibility that goes along with having uh, power you know, and I think, um, I I don't know if it's because so often we don't see those two going hand in hand, that we see Mm. kind of um, examples of uh, power for the sake of power, that, Mm. you know, don't really seem to feel accountability or responsibility to others. And then on the flip side, we may see examples of people placed in positions of incredible like responsibility and burden who mm. seem disempowered. Yeah, right. And so yeah. I think ideally these things are supposed to uh, like have some kind of conversation with each other, but I think we end up seeing examples where they're really kind of pulled apart. Um, right, right. 
and uh and that's when we start to question um who should be given those roles that are typically yeah. seen as power roles or mm-hmm. roles of of leadership um yeah. yeah that's that's absolutely true and it because that that is i think a large part of the problem like i saw one guy say on facebook before if, if women excuse me if men were fulfilling their responsibility there would be no feminism like maybe that's an exaggeration but <laughs> <laughs> i think there is at least a point there that absolutely you're going to question power if you feel like people are getting power but not actually being responsible so if the man is the leader of the household but that doesn't have any real benefit to the women of his household like he gets the boss people around but he's not taking care of all the financial responsibilities he's not protecting them or giving them any other kind of good leadership Mm -hmm. then you yeah you would almost naturally start to question okay why are you in charge right what mm-hmm. makes, why should you be a leader what qualities what are you bringing that should make you a leader um yeah i think i think that is important about are our leaders taking on the responsibility and if they're not then what are what's the consequence of that yeah yeah and i think you know as you kind of mentioned that we see it on we see it on many levels right we see it on the level of the family the level of communal leadership, political leadership, um, that people begin to question the people who, you know, hold the power, so to speak, when it seems like it's power for power's sake and others aren't benefiting um, from their role. And so, you know, like you said, I think the brother who made that comment has a point and, and I've heard people, other people say that as well, that, you know, when people fulfill their responsibilities um, uh, then the people who are supposed to be kind of the recipients of that, um, you know, they don't have uh, the kind of like angst or, or tension if, you know, other things, extra things are not coming their way. But if they know that, you know, this person is, you know, checking all the boxes and doing what they have to do, um, then people are willing to overlook those extra things and I I think there's a lot of truth to that because you know relationships uh, whether it's on the family level the communal level the political level all of these relationships that we that we have um, if they're not balanced in some way um, in terms of rights and responsibilities then people will want to opt out of them right Mm -hmm. they'll rebel they'll want to opt out um, and uh, you know I think that's I think that's just human, right? No one wants to feel like they're being taken advantage of or that they're carrying uh, a burden that is, you know, much heavier than someone else's burden. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm not sure that um, feminism wouldn't exist in that case because people always want more than their (laughs) rights fulfilled, right? (laughs) Whether you're a man or a woman or a child, you yeah, want more than to be fed and sheltered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a lot more to life than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I think there's an argue, argument to be made for perhaps what kind of feminism would have evolved mm-hmm. if women right. uh, felt that the men in their lives or the men in leadership were um, giving as much as they were getting, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So with that being said, would you say sort of, uh, I guess, just in conclusion on that question, would you feel comfortable with the statement Islam is patriarchal? Let's say the best version of patriarchy. Would would we feel comfortable saying, yes, Islam is patriarchal? Mm. Let me see. Let me take a sip of my carbonated water. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm comfortable with that in the sense of, so, you know, lineage being through uh, the male line, um, you know, uh, financial responsibility falling on the man's shoulders, um, and perhaps other social responsibilities that men may be more fit for falling on their shoulders as well. Um, I, I still don't think I would say that Islam is patriarchal, though, because I think it's, mm. I think it's a modern word. Um, I think it's, you know, it's anachronistic to use it because we're, you know, it's a word that developed in a certain context and we're trying Mm -hmm. to apply it to something that, um, you know, has been around for much longer than the word has been around. Um, And I wouldn't use it in the same way that I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that Islam is feminist because for one, there are you know, obviously patriarchy is a word used by feminists all the time. And even among feminists, they have different definitions of what that is. Um, But there are far left feminists who are very influential who use that word patriarchy and what they mean by it is a system constructed by men for the purpose of serving men. That's what they mean by it, right? They mean, you know, that the that the communities that we live in, that the environments, the governments that and societies that we live in, that they and the religions, right? Because then there's also the notion in there that religion is a man-made phenomenon, you know, not uh, not actually divinely revealed. That all of these things were constructed um, from the male imagination to serve men, and so I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that Islam is patriarchal because there are definitions of patriarchy very powerful ones used by very powerful people um that i would not endorse right right, right. Uh, so i wouldn't feel comfortable giving islam that label knowing mm. that if they were to hear me say that they would think right. something very specific that i don't mean right, right. um and uh yeah. so i don't i don't feel comfortable using it and i really don't see the point right either right. i don't yeah yeah i think that that's a good point it's it's kind of interesting to me because when I do hear feminists say that, you know, use that definition of patriarchy as the system created essentially to oppress women, though some will even go so far as to say to oppress women and oppress men because it oppresses us all with these gender roles. Right. Um, it's an interesting thing because I think of that as like, no, that's misogyny, like a system, mm. wherever that system exists, that's created for men to oppress women would be misogyny like that would or maybe that patriarchy I don't know um, because mm. the whole point I think is actually to protect women it's like men have to go out and they're the ones who are gonna fight and gonna hunt and protect sort of this fortress where women and children exist obviously it's not sure. like that today but that's mm-hmm. kind of the ideal that almost like women are 
uh, precious in a sense, <laughs> like so they don't have to do the fighting and the protecting. Mm -hmm. um, and then for me, it's kind of like, so political power is, is just sort of the abstraction of that. In the past, it would have been, they are the soldiers, they're going to be out in front and protecting from the enemy tribe. And today, yeah. it's they're the politicians who are going to protect us from the enemy country or, something, or just keep things safe. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting in that way because it's like, should that word in and of itself be misused or, or redefined? Like, is that even appropriate? But, um, yeah, like you said, it is a newer word, so we don't have to attach ourselves to it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I guess I guess I agree. In the past, though, I would have felt comfortable saying Islam was a patriarchy, but I think for the reasons you said that, not a patri or patriarchal. Um, I think for the reasons you said, it probably is more practical not to say that. Um, but I guess in a, almost in a larger sense, then I would defend the idea of patriarchy in the first place. So maybe that's why for me it's not such a big problem because I think that is valuable for men to be the protectors and providers sure. in a general sense. And it's almost like the point is, or I guess the extreme that would be the problem is, okay, if there is a woman who's, who happens in this society to be more qualified than all the men for this position, then no, she shouldn't be stopped, right? Like there will, people will always be, you know, there'll always be an exception. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting, but but yeah, I guess a part of me feels like, but the rule, in a sense, though maybe I shouldn't say this, but in a sense, the rule is men go out and compete for positions of power. Like that's kind of the the norm that we see. It's not. See, maybe I shouldn't say that though, but I I feel like that's uh -huh. sort of the norm, right? That men are usually the ones who are going out and competing for positions of power. Even today, there there's always this thing of um, there aren't enough female CEOs. But then I would ask, okay, how many women want to be CEOs? Not just in the title, but in what it actually, the time it would actually take the dedication to this one thing, <laughs> the sacrifices of your family. Like how many women actually yeah. want that position, right? Yeah, and I think that's that's real. Um, that you know, men and women are different in some regards. I know people don't like to hear that, but um, <laughs> but it's true. And just like individuals are different, right? People yeah. want different things out of life. Um, yeah. And so you know, but of course, when we put uh, a certain model as the standard, um, then you know, it makes people feel a certain kind of way if they don't have that or are not inclined towards that, um, then it, you know, it kind of sets up uh, tensions in, in someone's psyche. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, I think one thing that this reminds me of is, you know, so again, we have this, this issue with, uh, uh, with power and, you know, and responsibility and, and how they should be uh, hand in hand. And I think that, you know, sometimes as, as women, you know, we, we for, or just as people in general, we forget um, how much times have changed and mm. how difficult it actually used to be for people just to live 
and right. survive um, and that yeah. people had to live off of much less and, right. you know, had right. to fight for what they had and, and on and on and on. And so I think sometimes yeah. we have this like revisionist understanding of history. Um, but I think for okay. so much yeah. of our history as, as humans, um, you know, people had to really work and struggle um, for what they had. And right. Right. typically it was, uh, you know, men who had to, you know, hunt for the food. And, you know, sometimes a man would, you know, hunt and be gone for a few days before he came back to his people um, with, you know, what he captured. Um, And then women had to work hard too, right? Not only did they have to work in the home and they didn't have the same kinds of equipment that we had today to work in the home but they had to do other things as well they had to you know do agriculture they had to um you know also they had to work on on the land along with the children and the and the elderly and Mm -hmm. you know they had to uh you know make whatever uh clothes or fabric that the family needed you know we forget just how involved it used to be just to be a human you know, um, just to function. And so I think sometimes, you know, there are some women who can say, oh, well, men, you know, they've always had it easy because they've always been in positions of, (laughs) of leadership. But, you know, for a long portion of our history as human beings, you know, I I don't know, I don't think fighting in war is easy. I don't think battles (laughs) are easy. I don't think hunting animals is easy, you know. Um, (laughs) And of course, that was a different context, right? So I'm not going to look at my husband is if he just hunted uh, an animal and brought it home and be in admiration because that's not real. Um, that's what people used to do. Um, but just to say that, like, we, we sometimes have this revisionist understanding of, of history um, and it's not really accurate. And I think there was a point in time in which it was more obvious that power and responsibility went hand in hand. Um, and yeah. uh, it's not so obvious anymore. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And just one other point on that. I, I do feel like, yeah, for most of human history, it's like, yeah, people had to struggle. But also, it's like you were struggling to survive, like, with your family, with your tribe. So the idea, you know, of men versus women is if all men align together mm-hmm. against all women... It's like, it's just about mm-hmm. your people, really. You know, the smaller the society, but we need to survive, like, our group. And it's interesting mm-hmm. what you said, too, about war, because that's what some of these um, MRA activists will say that, you know, I, which, you know, I hate both extremes of, like, oh, women were oppressed. No, actually, it's men. <laughs> so they <laughs> say, um, yeah. well, actually, no, men have always been seen as disposable because they are the ones who had to go into war and risk their life for Gosh. their country. <laughs> oh, Lord. And it's the other side of it. <laughs> disposable, yeah, sure. Right. Sure, so, that's how the mother <laughs> looked at her son, as disposable. Okay. That's how it was, Tama. It's the real, see, the feminist gave us the, the hidden, real story. And then the MRA gave us the hidden, hidden history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Inception. Um, <laughs> you pointed on the, the point about feminism already, so we'll just quickly define that one. Um, so just the advocacy of women's rights based on the basis of equality of the sexes. 
So, and also anyone in the, who's watching, you can tell us your opinion. Do you think that it would be correct to call Islam a patriarchy? Why, why not? Um, so feminism, yeah, advocacy of women's rights based on the equality of the sexes. So looking at Islam, um, well, you mentioned already that you wouldn't, for sort of practical reasons, you wouldn't call Islam feminist, right? Yeah, yeah. I just think it's probably unnecessary to use any of these loaded words. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe some, but not these. Not feminism. <laughs> not, not these two. Um, because I just, I just, and I don't see the point. Yeah. That's a problem. I don't see what is it serving except yeah. like some quick entry into some sphere mm. of influence right. or yeah. you know party yeah, like acceptance. i don't yeah um i just it's not it, it's not intellectual it's not mm. honest mm. um yeah. you know it's not dealing with uh the very real fact that people have mm. very dif different definitions of those terms and not just regular you know people on the street but actual feminist activists have yeah. different understandings yeah. of these terms, the people who utilize them the most and claim them for themselves. So for us to just kind That's of true. gloss over that, I, I don't yeah. feel like it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of like anti-intellectual to me, whether it's yeah. feminism or, uh, patriarchy. or patriarchy. I just don't see the point. Right. Right. And, you know, well, I guess this is our next question. Okay. I'll, I'll leave it, but, uh, yeah, I I agree with that. And I did a presentation before about, you know, yeah, is Islam feminist or can you be a feminist and be Muslim? And I did try to like, well, let's go through all of these terms because it's a funny thing, but like even the smaller sort of words we have to look at and ask, okay, well, if we're saying we're advocating for women's rights, well, what rights? And where do we get these rights from? And sure, are these yeah. rights aligned with Islam. Sometimes they will be, sometimes they won't be. Mm -hmm. um, if we look at equality, because I was even saying, well, Islam in Islam, we wouldn't say that men and women are equal, but then even you've got to take a step back from that. Okay, equal in what way, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say, like, you can be equal spiritually. I mean, you can be equal in many ways. But then even that's not really true because every individual is different in terms of their spirituality and their closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Um, we have to equally pray and do the hajj. Um, but what, then when you come to something like marriage and there are different rights, so it's like mm -hmm. it would be hard to say that, yes, Islam is feminist because there are so many areas in which we're going to disagree on okay, what is equality? When is equality appropriate? What are the rights that are appropriate to fight for? Even how do we fight for them as mm -hmm. Muslims versus as, you know, feminists um, in general? But just to kind of touch on, okay, well, why do some people say that Islam is feminist? I think there are at least two TED Talks I've seen of, of someone saying this, like Islam is a feminist religion, um, or even mm -hmm. the prophecy of Islam being feminist, which is one of our next questions. And I think that sometimes, at least what they're doing is saying, well, there are particular rights that we had as Muslims that, that Islam gave to women that women only later on fought, fought for under this banner of feminism. 
so the right yeah. to property even and the right to divorce i think there are a couple we already had that right hundreds of years ago we already had this feminist right um back then so yeah. islam is feminist yeah and i yeah that's yeah that's true i think on a basic level when most people say that they're talking about rights and like you said comparing it to um the rights that women in different parts of the world uh did not have and so using that to say well then islam is is feminist because it granted women these rights prior to um other civilizations doing so and so i think you know i think when people say um that Islam is feminist, then we should have, um, you know, even if we don't agree with that statement, we should have empathy for it because mm. that person is saying something that they believe to be positive, right? Mm. They're not saying it as an insult. They're true. saying that they yeah. see something really positive mm. that Islam brought about and the frame of reference that they have for that is to associate right. it with feminism. So I think we should, you know, you know true, before yeah. before shouting them down, yeah. you know, acknowledge that they're actually in, in their mind they're saying something good that we would agree with in terms of advancing right. women's right. rights that we certainly agree with. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's an important point to to start with. Yeah. When we're in conversation with someone who says that. Right. Yeah, that is incredibly valuable. Yeah, that a lot of the times they're saying something positive, associating it with something positive. But that is sort of the thing, as you said, with these loaded terms, that to some people, feminism is a very positive thing. To other people, it's cancer, as they say (laughs) on the internet. (laughs) Feminism is cancer. Um, So, yeah, you never quite know... um, what people mean. I mean, no, usually when women are saying it, they're saying something positive. They're saying something positive. Yeah. Yeah. And the people who are against it or have very harsh reactions are seeing feminism as something negative and saying, no, don't associate us with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that is a fair point. So just because it's related, we should probably just go to this question of the prophet said it was sent him as feminist and we heard that I think two or three times at the um at the uh conference black American yeah, Muslim conference okay. I'm like what does the B stand for I got so confused for the black American stands for black <laughs> yeah um yeah so we heard a couple times this assertion that the prophet said his son was feminist and I read that, like, in, in articles made, that was probably mentioned in one of these TED Talks I saw. Um, what do you feel about that statement? Like, what's your sort of reaction to that sentiment? Uh, hmm. I mean, I don't know if it would be very, very different from my reaction to someone saying that Islam is feminist. Okay, um, yeah. I think you know, again, like you said, typically, like 98% of the time when it's a woman saying that the prophet was a feminist, they're saying something that they believe to be very flattering about the prophet, right? At least that was to them. So again, we shouldn't jump down their throats because they're actually saying, no, there's, there's something that we love about the prophet and our frame of reference for it is to, is to say that it's feminist, yeah. right? Um, and uh, so, yeah. yeah, so, you know, and I think... Um, 
Uh, let's see. There's the famous. Well, I mean, there's a couple. There's there, and there are reasons why people say that, right? They're yeah. not saying it in a vacuum. They're saying it because you know they there's things that they know from his sira, from his example, that they believe to be um, you know forward thinking when it comes to women, in a way that men yeah. at that time were not, and possibly even in a way that men now are not right mm-hmm. um actually also that i think that's what yeah. uh people who say that seem like you know look look what the prophet was talking about all these years ago i think that was them and look at what we're talking about now right right um right. and so you know again i think in terms of um you know was he did he see the full humanity and dignity of women yes absolutely um did he acknowledge the incredible potential of women absolutely um you know did he uh you know put women in some kind of position of leadership and authority i I would say yes to that as well um and uh you know and did he do these things uh, did he acknowledge these things publicly right so that men could see him doing so yes he did that as well yeah um and so in that sense mm. still i wouldn't call him a feminist because i just yeah. don't want to use that label um mm-hmm. or any of these labels um but yeah was he forward thinking and recognized the full humanity and dignity um and yeah. potential i think probably more importantly of women you know absolutely um and uh and I think the fact that women, Muslim women, see that is something that we should celebrate and lift up and right. um, and keep talking about that, right? Um, yeah. Instead of maybe shouting someone down and then, hmm. you know, they maybe might abandon that thought when really it's coming right. from a good place, right? They're seeing something right. positive in his yeah. example. Yeah, you know that, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's interesting because that wasn't something I thought about, like, because during one of my panels is when this came up. And I know my reaction, at least a part of it that I can recall, was just sort of why do we feel such an attachment to this term? But those are important considerations as well in that they are saying that the Prophet said the way that he was aligned with all of these good values of being full. of seeing women as humanity, of seeing women as sort of, I guess, equally capable in many regards. Mm. Um, yeah, and that that is really crucial because um, I think one of the speakers said, I mean, and this, and this is valid as well, but yeah, what did he say? I don't know what he so, but something about, you know, it, it almost being un-Islamic to call the Prophet um, a feminist. And there's validity to that as well, because it's going to depend on what are you sort of thinking about when someone says that. So in one sense, it's like, it could just be, don't say that the Prophet was attached to these new ideologies. Like, that's not even possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is also the consideration of someone who may be feminist or associate themselves with that and have a good experience and a good opinion of feminism and align with all of these values in feminism that they also find 
um, the prophets that they're selling to have. And mm-hmm. so that's interesting because then it does bring the nuance of assuming if it's safe that we can assume that that is what people mean, then is there an issue in saying the Prophet was feminist if that's what they mean? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe yeah. it depends on the context, right? And yeah. where someone is saying this, what platform mm-hmm. they're using to say it. Because if it's just in conversation, then... Oh. Um, I think maybe it's it's fine because then you're kind of able to work through that yeah, definition with somebody. Yeah. Um, but when it's just kind of, you know, not in a space where people are actually going to work through those ideas, um, then I would then I'd say mm. no because okay. you know again because of the reasons that I mentioned that it okay. it has all these different definitions and so when you just put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you like have no, you're not controlling how people are going to read that at all, you know? So then I think what's, what's the value? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So I guess it's almost like maybe the immediate response should be no, he wasn't. But then if there's time, like, let's talk about it and see what exactly do you mean when you say that? Um, yeah, that I guess both are value. It's true because if you just say the Prophet was a feminist, that does mean different things to different people if there isn't a further context and explanation. Um, and also, it just isn't holistically true. <laughs> you know, it's like mm. there are feminist values today that obviously he absolutely would not be aligned with, right? Sure. <laughs> and then there are other ones that, that he would be. So it's difficult. Um, I mean, that's sort of the problem with feminism in general, <laughs> because even yeah. if, like, even sometimes I, I've thought of, like, I don't know, this sort of, like, a whatever, but a <laughs> side point, but even, it would probably be possible for me to work, you know, quote, unquote, um, within feminism, not changing one thing that I believe, because every, whenever you talk to a feminist, <laughs> almost without fail they have their own unique personal definition for what feminism means and Mm -hmm. even the different strands there are strands that value the feminine role and actually feel like women should focus on that role and our focus should be to create more women's spaces there are some obviously Mm -hmm. the more popular ones that say no we need to break into men's spaces and break the glass ceiling and all of that Mm-hmm. So it is such a wide umbrella that in one sense, literally anyone could fit into it. Yeah. But that's also the problem. <laughs> it's like, so if you say I'm a feminist, it's like it needs further explanation or no one actually really knows what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, any other thoughts on that, or should we move to the to the pronoun issue? Um, we can move to that one. Okay. So let me just read a couple of the comments. Um, so Hamza, you said earlier that they're looking for legitimacy. I think you were talking about uh, when people call Islam or the Prophet said Islam feminist, but you can let me know that maybe they, maybe the feminists themselves are looking for legitimacy. That could be possible. 
So saying that, you know, actually um, our prophet was also feminist would give them legitimacy in that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Radia is saying, if you watch Ertugal, we could see patriarchy in a way that is attractive and appealing, as mm-hmm. there is so much balance. Okay. There's respect <laughs> from women. <laughs> I still haven't seen that show, so. <laughs> I actually kind of agree with her. You agree? Okay. There is respect from women and loyalty from the men. Um, And then Radhia just asks, does patriarchy mean hierarchy? Good question. Good question. I was almost going to say yes, but no. Yeah, that deserves some thought because that that can get into tricky territory, right? Because hierarchy usually means better than. Right, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and mm-hmm. I would question, is public or external power actually better than internal power? And I don't, I don't really agree with that. Um, yeah, so that Abdul has to be fleshed out. Yeah. Abdul Hamid said, Islam is patriarchal, even though the world has moved away from this. According to Sheikh Abdullah Hamid Ali, oh yeah, yeah. According to Sheikh Abdullah Hamid Ali, to say the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam is a feminist is blasphemy. Yes, that was what he said. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, yeah, let's move to this question about. So this was a sister. What is she? A representative of something, or I guess they're just called representatives, right? Rashida Tlaib. Oh yeah, Congresswoman. Mm-hmm. She's a congresswoman, and so I just read the headline. I don't know if if you Timo read the whole thing. Does the whole thing even exist? I don't know, right? Because all, all I've been able to find was this the uh, like snap screenshot. I know that's the, the hilarious part. It's like not even. It's not even Maybe we're all being played. <laughs> it's like the picture of the article. Yeah. Which, you know, whatever. But <laughs> yeah. So she said, assuming she said this right, somebody could have made it up on Photoshop. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, she said that um, her Allah is a she. Okay, quickly before we move to that, then Radia said, "How is it blasphemy?" Well, I didn't say that, so I don't know. I don't know if you can speak to that. How it could be blasphemy? You know, I think um, again, it's it's so complicated. But if you take if you take a definition of feminism that is, uh, you know, uh, I guess, born out of a secular world um, in which uh, in which there's a, a denial of divinity, because there there is that aspect too yeah. of, um, of a, a kind of feminism that is associated um, with atheism, to True. be frank. Yeah. Um, and so sees the world in that lens. Um, I think if we, if that's what we're talking about, then then yeah, it would be, you know, I don't feel comfortable using the word blasphemous because again, it's a very it's a very serious accusation. But um, then yeah, I could see why it would be more problematic if that's the understanding of feminism that yeah. you're that you're criticizing, right? Because it's it's essentially born out of a out of a world of ideas of which atheism is a part. Yeah, yeah, very true. 
Okay. Um, also, just um, Abdul Hamid Salam, if you can tell us when you say Islam is patriarchal, uh, what exactly do you mean? So, yeah, let's move to this question about calling God she. So, um, yeah, apparently this, this congresswoman called God she, called Allah she. And, of course, this is kind of a question that has come up in recent years about why do we call God he and not she or it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just sort of, <laughs> and just sort of what's the appropriate um, pronoun. And maybe also some people feeling like to call God he is an extension of patriarchy. And obviously patriarchy in the worst way you could define it, right? Not in some of the better ways we spoke about Um it possibly being oh okay someone linked the article okay thank you very much oh good so yeah where do we want to start (laughs) with this part of the uh with this part of the conversation okay so i think maybe i'd want to start with um (laughs) the the vitriol around it all because you know, I saw some comments that people made about it that were, um, you know, just just shy of calling her a Catholic, to be honest. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, that's just, it's ludicrous. Um, you know, whatever she... Uh, if that statement is true, and again, we need an elaboration right, on that, and I right. guess we'll we'll get that with this article. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not equivalent to her saying that she does not believe in God or that she does not believe in uh, the prophecy of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that is what takes you out of the deen. Um, so, for people right. to come like just shy of saying mm-hmm. she's left Islam is um, you know, completely ridiculous and, um, you know, should really be, you know, that, that kind of, um, you know, vitriol should really, I think, be, be condemned because I don't think there's any place for that, um, in our discussions. That's, yeah, that's really crucial. Um, and one of the exchanges I had, uh, with the brother, I don't know if this is what you thought of, or maybe there was more, more like this. Uh, with a brother online who was whatever the other part of the conversation was, but a part of what he said was that, you know, Alessia Panatella explicitly um, condemns calling him by the she pronoun in this particular yeah. verse. Mm-hmm. And it's like the verse is condemning the pagan Arabs for worshiping idols. And I'm sure God yeah. wouldn't care if it was male idols or female idols. It happened to be, so. <laughs> yeah, it happened to be female idols. And then there was a weird thing of, of like a weird hypocrisy they had, but that's sort of a side point. Um, so it was like, yeah, like you said, that is how can we compare? Assuming that she has the same definition that we're all working with of God as limitless, as genderless, then how can we compare her calling God she to idolatry? Like that, that, that's a huge chunk. <laughs> It's yeah. a huge jump to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I definitely I definitely agree with that. Let me just read this comment since it's related. So 
Dawood Robinson, you said, does it have to be either? Can it be both or neither? Assigning a gender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is putting limits on God. So let me first say that no one is assigning a gender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and as far as we know, right, from the little bit I've been able to read from a little bit of context around this, that's not what she's doing either because, because that wouldn't be Islam anymore, right? Um, whereas calling God she, there's definitely conversation that's that's worth having about that being probably inappropriate. Um, but I don't think the conversation is about whether or not we should assign God a gender. That's not a conversation to be had <laughs> like as Muslims. That's not at all what anyone is um, validating. So let me just finish your comment, but I just obviously want to make that part clear. Mm-hmm. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referred to in translations as he does that mean God is male? It certainly doesn't. Could it be that God is referred to as as he as he as men, I guess is men or authority figures in the time of the Quran? What okay. Could it be that God is referred to as he I'm going to assume because men were in authority when the Quran was revealed. Now, let me sort of use that segue to, <laughs> to point to why some of the responses were problematic, right? Because we don't have an attachment to he. So to even say that, and you know, I'm not trying to harshly criticize your comment, but to even say that, oh, maybe God is called a he because men were in power during the time of the Prophet it's like, no, that God is not associated with men nor with women. Like he is beyond that. But unfortunately, I think what probably doesn't get checked is that some men may feel like there is some sort of linking between God and malehood and manhood. And that's mm. not really checked. But then the moment a woman says, God is a she or she refers to God as she, then there's like this immediate response and this immediate vitriol mm-hmm. that, you know, had it been the other way around, I think a lot of it sort of gets unchecked. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's, um, I think it's an uncomfortable thing to bring up, mm. but I do think there's truth to it. Um, and, you know, I could almost understand for one, we live in a society and a culture um, where it's not our religion that's dominant. It's uh, Christianity in some form that is dominant. Um, and uh, God in Christianity is depicted uh, in male form, right? right. Um, yeah. yeah, and we cannot, um, we can't say that that absolutely does not affect us in any way. Right, because this is the society that we live in. So even if it's just you know a little bit, um, that it might infect us and seep into our thinking sometimes. Well, you know, it's it's still there, and I think we also have to be honest that part of the reason why we do feel comfortable um, using he in reference to Allah is because we live in a culture in which that's already done. Mm. Right, so there is just kind of a. Um, an aspect of it where we are conforming to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that can't be ignored. And it's not to say that he isn't the best 
that we can do because I think most likely it is the best that we can do with the limitations on, on language that we have. Um, but I think we can't deny these other aspects specifically of, of where we live and uh, the fact that God has already called he in this society. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I recall someone who was Muslim, but they were talking about the Bible and that apparently God refers to himself as husband in, in the Bible, I think maybe the Old Testament or something. And so they were saying, you know, maybe God does this because like a husband takes care of his wife. And so God takes care of the people. And it's like, just no, like, no, <laughs> that's not because the, if we're going to do that, the yeah. prophet said, Salam, when he saw that woman who had lost her child and she, you know, was looking for her child so frantically and then hugged him when she found him. And he asked the companions, you know, about the mercy of, of this woman to her child and then compared it and said, God is far beyond that in mercy to his servants. Well, then does that mean that, oh, God, I mean, it's like for Allah, but it's like, it's the same kind of logic that you could use if you're going to say God is like a father, you know, in huge quotes, because we're not comparing God to anyone. Um, but if you're going to say, oh, we use he because men have authority or we use uh, father as Christians use because men, because fathers take care of their children. Well, are we going to say, well, then mothers take care of their children are, and are merciful and God is even more merciful. So someone is going to use that kind of logic to use she like sure. both yeah. are inappropriate but as you said we're used to the the former latter i don't know which one it was but we're used to the analogy for men right mm-hmm. we're used to the analogy of the father we're used to the analogy of he and power and all of that and we don't question it enough even as muslims you know as you said that we can be influenced in this society um, by that that sort of notion of God as being male, and we don't question it. Um, but the moment someone says she, then it's like, as you said, it's like they're taken out of the religion. Um, when probably a lot of lesser blasphemy is often utilized when trying to find reasons why God may be called he. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think going down the route of trying to explain this or that male authority already existing and so God that he, you know, it's just, um, it's a slippery slope, like you said. Um, We can do the same thing to refer to God as a she, so let's not go down that path. Um, And also it's just not, that's not traditionally, as I understand it, how it was understood. Right. As right. I understand it, this um, was always understood as an issue of grammar, yeah. right? That every language has uh, rules um, and has confines that it has to work within, right? And so uh, the most appropriate word, the most appropriate pronouns to be used in the Arabic language were male pronouns, particularly because the male pronoun in the Arabic language can also be used as a default pronoun, right? Which is a status that the female pronoun in Arabic does not have, right? And so, um, you know, I like what you said about not not having attachment to uh, he or, or his in the English language. And I think that's appropriate. What we have attachment to is that huwa, 
or whatever mm-hmm. other pronouns or whatever other ways mm-hmm. in Arabic, in the Quran that God chooses to uh, use, right, to mm-hmm. refer to himself. We have attachment to those words. Once that gets into translation, we should not feel the same sort of, um, you know, the same sort of attachment, right? Because we know that things are lost in translation and we know that, uh, you know, words when they're translated are, are oftentimes not exact equivalents, right? Mm-hmm. They don't always cover the same landscape of meaning. Um, and so, and that does happen when we're talking about translating uh, hua as he in English. Again, it's not to say that he isn't the best that we can do. It probably is the best that we can do in terms of translating that word and how we, mm-hmm. how we refer to God in the English language. Mm-hmm. But we also have to understand that hua and he are not exact equivalents, right? Yeah. But they're the best, that's the best translation that, that we have. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I brought up something online about, you know, whether we should use the word it or not. And this is a discussion yeah. that people have had. Should we use yeah. the word it? And, you know, we've generally decided not to use it because it is so impersonal and, right. you know, we use it to refer to objects. And yeah. um, and also I think because it's not used uh, in the society that we live in. And so we'd really be separating ourselves. We're the only ones calling God it. Um, you know, it kind of makes it difficult to communicate with people uh, when we do that. Um, but we also have to acknowledge that when we're talking, we're talking just about the the Arabic word, hua, like, let's separate that for a second from it being a reference to God. When we're talking about that word, well, it can translate as he, and it can translate as it, right? And so this is what we mean when we say that, you know, let's not be so hyper-attached to the word he, not realizing that he and hua don't cover the exact same landscape mm-hmm. uh, of meaning, right? right. And so right. Um, we, have to, we have to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the point about it is an interesting one to me because, yeah, obviously it is impersonal and it is usually tied to inanimate objects. But I did want to bring up something this brother said online, and he said um, in this conversation, he said, I've actually used the pronoun it before when referring to the divine in conversations. I've noticed that it is actually better received by some non-Muslims, especially with, with a spiritual bent. One of the things I have noticed with using he, which I also use, is that he is a loaded Christian presupposition in the English language where it conjures up a gender in the form of an old man, quote-unquote, the father, or a young one, quote-unquote, the son. Mm -hmm. It is interesting, but a language is often loaded with theological presuppositions encoded in it, which is one of the reasons that Arabic is often adopted by various people when they come to Islam. So he said more, but um, I thought that was an interesting sort of take because... You know, we use it, yes, in the English language for inanimate objects, but we also use it in terms of concepts, right? Mm, So that's that's kind of, when you think about that, about it in a more expansive way, I could see it. Now, I think it would be difficult for me to adopt it or for us as Muslims to adopt it um, 
but I just thought that was an interesting consideration. Yeah, no, I think I think you have a good point, and I think the brother had a good point um, that uh, it can, if you sit if you sit with it, and again, neither of us are advocating this, yeah. but if if you sit with that word, and I think what you brought up is actually really interesting about you know we we use it to refer to to concepts and ideas um and so then thinking about the the potential of using that to refer to god who you know god is not an idea or a concept but the idea of something abstract you know intangible um you know not kind of muddied with um the world with mundane things. Um, I think it's, I think it's interesting and I think we shouldn't, um, I think we should be careful on, on what ground we dismiss it. Right. Are we dismissing it because of a preference for he that maybe is problematic? Um, or are we dismissing it because we feel like it's a lowly word. And I think that's been the typical argument is people feeling like, no, Mm. you know, it, we use it to refer to things that, you know are not animate and so to use it to refer to god but you know i think i think all of this just brings up the point that this is not an easy thing to do translation in general is not easy and then when we're referring to god it's especially um complicated and i think we have to recognize that we kind of as a community have um decided concluded on the use of he Mm-hmm. But that, like, the backstory to that, the way that we get to that um, is not straightforward and obvious yeah. and, and yeah. uncomplicated, right? And so I think, yeah. um, you know, when when that layer is peeled back a little bit and people see that, you know, this is not as clear-cut as we thought, then it can make people a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, but it, but it is what it is. Yeah, and, you know, it is so fascinating also. I wonder when people are translating the Quran, have they grappled with what pronoun do I use or pronoun do I translate this into? And if they haven't, which honestly I would assume they don't (laughs) really think about it much, Mm -hmm. if they haven't, then, yeah, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to feel so comfortable using he um, yeah, grammatically, I think we can, yes, agree that that's probably the best word we can use. Um, but there is a there is this question of our level of comfort, or also our level of dis- discomfort for someone to use she. Like, where is mm-hmm. it coming from? That does matter. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of why, even though you know, I'm not a, wouldn't necessarily call myself a feminist, I do appreciate their input, right? Because they're asking the question. And I think it's right. valuable that we're Just forced to, ask to the think question. about it, right? Yeah, yeah, that we're forced I'd agree. To think, yeah, why, why do we use he? <laughs> like, why, why don't we use maybe it or... And sort of just one other thing with this point, one other thing that is kind of valuable, even though we always do want to take the middle road, there is the question of like, how do we get there? So maybe someone, sometimes it is valuable to be pushed to the extreme of someone saying yeah. she for us to think yeah. about, okay, we don't like that, 
but <laughs> let's mm-hmm. also make sure we're utilizing he for the right reasons that we're not making bad assumptions based on influences from from a society where they do literally believe that a man is gone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no i think you bring up a really good point when you say that you know sometimes the question just has to be asked uh and we're forced to think about something in a new way that yeah. you know hopefully even even though we conclude we might conclude the same thing in the end mm-hmm. um at least we're doing so you know with knowledge and with having an informed yeah. perspective um as opposed to just you know kind of regurgitating mm-hmm. um what society has has fed us and i think you know um i remember uh being in discussion once with christian uh, women this was at seminary and uh you know one of them said we were talking about the concept of like, god the father and mm-hmm. this sort of thing in christianity um and she said you know she has an issue with the phrase god the father mm-hmm. because of the relationship she had with her father <laughs> oh, so for her you know what what mm-hmm. that phrase is supposed to evoke in mm-hmm. terms of like the protector and um you know someone who comforts you someone who's you know there for you all of those pleasant uh mm-hmm. things um it, she didn't have a frame of reference for that because of her own oh, relationship yeah. to her father and so i think you know that's, that's fascinating yeah yeah and so i think we have to and you know alhamdulillah we don't use that wording yeah, in islam yeah. we don't say the father yeah. um but I think it is important to see where people may be coming from and to kind mm-hmm. of investigate that with them. Um, you know, I think for me, you know, my main contention with using uh, English female pronouns in reference to God is that I think we do, I think it ends up doing the opposite of what it intends to mm. um, because it, it further genders God as opposed yeah. to uh, freeing our understanding of God from gender. Right. Right. Um, it's saying, well, we refer to God as he, so let's refer to God as she. It's kind of this effort to be inclusive, um, but that whole concept of inclusivity doesn't, doesn't really work with God um, because yeah. we have to understand yeah. again, fundamentally, mm-hmm. that he's not gendered, right? right. And so, um, you know, I, I understand uh, the contention and the uncomfortability that some will have in using the male pronoun to refer to God, but I don't, I don't know that using she solves the problem, yeah. right? Because it's saying, oh, well, we're talking about a male God, but we should talk about a female God, <laughs> when really we should be saying, no, we need to have a, yeah. a, a radical clarity mm-hmm. that God is not yeah. gendered. And, you know, I know it's tough because we have to use words um, to talk and describe things and describe concepts. And so we're kind of, uh, we're kind of, we get kind of tied up, um, but at least in our understandings, right, what we carry in our minds and our hearts, we have to get really clear, right? right? And so we're not, uh, we're not bettering our understanding mm-hmm. of God uh, by further uh, gendering yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. That That is really, really important. And, um, 
you know, as Muslim women, especially once we understand our religion, inshallah, to some degree, we actually have a lot to offer the West and women who are seeking a way out of a patriarchal notion of God, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we do sort of have the beauty of God not, and it's like, this is the truth, right? It's not like, oh, we have this perspective. No, this is the truth. Yeah. Um, of knowing that God is beyond this, that he's not associated with men or masculinity. Um, and even I've seen just sort of read like, um, and I don't know how, how big of a trend this is, but just a movement among some, especially among some feminists to leave Christianity and actually go into like witchcraft and worshiping female mm. deities yeah. because they're missing that kind of uh feminine energy feminine power whatever the the um not well yeah i guess literally worship for them but <laughs> at least sort of the praising of the feminine mm -hmm. and we do have something very valuable in islam where like it's almost like it's both and it's also neither um mm -hmm. so let me yeah. just yeah. add okay so last inshallah to sort of summarize it um, let me read the comments here really quickly, and then we're going to just go to our conclusion, inshallah. Um, so, Ravia said, can you talk about misogyny because some deny it as being present in Islamic history? Unfortunately, Ravia, I don't think we can, but, but we'll save that, inshallah, for another time. Uh, Mona said, what about the new movement to use they as a gender-neutral pronoun? Um, just a thought. For God? Yeah. We, let's see, just a thought goes along with the use of the divine we that we see in the Quran as well. Oh, okay. I yeah. get you. Um, okay. I get you. And Levan, this is the nature of the French Revolution. Levan, you got to give us some context there. <laughs> Need a little more of that one. <laughs> okay. 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 Growing such a great hatred for faith that people either revert to faiths that satisfy their ideologies or create their own. Okay, okay. So I guess I don't know mm. enough about the French Revolution, but okay, just a, a some kind of hatred for faith that makes them revert to either older faiths or, um, yeah, or create their own. This is a side point, but <laughs> then we'll get to the conclusion. But it reminds me of this poem that I love where um, William Wordsworth, he says, um, dear god so it's like clearly he's monotheistic but he says dear god um i'd rather be a pagan suckle than a creed outworn so that i standing on this pleasant lee might see glimpses that would make me less forlorn so like he was mm. missing out on the spiritual nature of you know sort of the pocahontas <laughs> kind of vibe right the spirit gotcha. of the tree and the spirit the in the nature water. yeah yeah the beauty of nature yeah. and um Again, we in Islam that isn't missing, but it's still an issue of what's emphasized, right? Yeah. Um, like the masculine isn't emphasized over the feminine, but okay, but what do we as Muslims actually emphasize? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. just we can summarize our last thing was relevance or not of this discussion and its social or personal implications. What do you think? You know, I think it goes back to what you said about asking the question and um, being forced to 
uh, investigate and delve deeper. Um, because I do think that there are, are women especially, but I'm sure men as well, who their concept of God, what they've heard, uh, is perhaps very skewed or, or one, one aspect of, of God is perhaps overemphasized above others. And right. so there's a sense of uh, that they have, they feel like they're missing, right? They, they're missing something about God. There has to be something more. Um, and so, you know, I think in this effort uh, that we see across religions to kind of lift up, you know, this, a female um, mm-hmm. identity of God, I think is because people see something um, that is missing from right. how God is right. spoken of. And yeah. I think it's, you know, it's the job of people who care mm-hmm. to, um, to try to present something that is more holistic yeah. so that people um, can, can feel more comfortable right. Um, right. In, in the concept of God that they have and they can have a more developed and robust understanding of God right. um, and they right. feel more, they'll feel more attached that way mm-hmm. um, instead of kind of leaving them to their own devices and then they might develop things that, you know, are not from the tradition or alien to the tradition. Um, and I think we see that happen a lot because we can be quite reactionary, right? Yeah. So instead of actually helping someone um, to, you know, get to a point where their understanding of God is robust and they feel mm-hmm. connected to it, you know, um, sometimes we just shoot people down. And I think, you right. know, what what benefit is that serving them when mm-hmm. when really what we should see is someone calling out for for answers right yeah. for more yeah. for something that's missing right yeah Hamdana, that that's really valuable and and i agree with everything you said um and and this is i think there's value in shalatada in, in what we're doing because as you kind of um said before there is a need to say okay no, we probably shouldn't call God she, um, and no, Islam isn't really feminist, or the Prophet wasn't feminist, but what do you mean by that? And what is maybe missing from your understanding or your practice that needs to be spoken to? Because probably someone who's calling God she and Allahu Alam, but I wonder if they're actually getting what they're seeking from doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that probably is something deeper that's yeah. kind of being solved in a superficial way but needs mm-hmm. to be spoken about that we need to go deeper into okay maybe there is too much emphasis on the masculine on law and order right but not enough emphasis on the spirit on nuance on feelings and emotions and relationships and, and other things mm-hmm. that religion does cover but maybe mm-hmm. just isn't enough a part of our discourse yeah so thank you guys for Thank you guys for tuning in, Hamdina. We hope <laughs> there was some benefit here. Um, we enjoyed um, having this discussion and, and talking to you all. Inshallah, if you have any questions, you can just leave it in the comments and hopefully we'll be able to get around to it at some point. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>